book of life. There is a record book my name is written in. It was recorded there before the world began. No one can blot it out. It is forevermore. I'm in the book of life kept by the Lord. There is a record. Right. Not sure where that came from. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to know that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And no, it wasn't recorded when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Again, I say, as Brother Chuck did, God is not uh, bound by time, is He? Not at all. All right. You may have guessed that this morning we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 pertaining to the armor of God. And this is Paul's... uh, direction, if you will, on how we can live with this enemy that's present in our life. Now usually, and you may be thinking, oh, well, you've preached on that before, and I have, but usually when we preach on this, we take them all together, and we take them one at a time, but all in one lesson. But this time we're going to slow down, and we're going to take them one at a time. And of course they are the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit. And then of course Paul adds prayer to that list. So we're in Ephesians chapter 6. And for this study, we're not going to uh, stay with Paul's order, the list, and the order in which he has the list in, but we're going to start at the top. So today is going to be about the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, to begin with, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. To begin with, we're going to jump over to Philippians 2, which in my Bible is the very next page. Let's read a few verses here. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, one with God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
But even though He was God in the person of the Son, verse 7, but He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will, want to, and to do, perform of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Alright. So obviously, Paul is teaching us to have a certain mind, or a certain mindset. Okay? A certain way of thinking. We're talking about the helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? Well, it protects the head, doesn't it? And what's in the head? It's the mind. The Bible tells us that the battle that we face every day as we live for Jesus in this sinful world is spiritual. It's in the mind. It really is. Our minds are impressed upon by the things of the world that we see, that we hear, that we remember, or maybe even the things that we think we foresee. Our minds are affected by all the things that go on around us. And outside of God and His people, all these ways that affect us are being guided by the prince of the power of the air, the little g God of this world. They really are. I like to remember that with this helmet, you'll notice it's hard to see out to the side. You have to purposely, you would have to purposely turn your head, that soldier would have to purposely turn his head to see to the side. And that makes me think of looking to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of my faith, and not turning my head and looking to the side. You remember the sower and the seed. Some fell by the wayside, right? They didn't make it, did they? No. What is the wayside? Well, who's the way? The Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the only source of life. Over and over, Paul directs us to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, doesn't he? Look forward to Him in all that we think, say, and do. All right, Ephesians 6 in chapter, sorry, and verse 17. Ephesians 6, 17, I said we were going to start at the top of the armor on this soldier. For you who only hear this and are not here to see it, we have a poster up of the armor of God. 
and a soldier there dressed in this armor with each item listed. All right, Ephesians 6.17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And take the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> so I took a look at that second word there. First word after and. And it's take. That word, and I'll probably butcher the pronunciation here, is dekomahi. 52 times it has been translated as receive. Four times as take. Take or receive the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet, again, protects the head, which protects the mind and the mind's understanding of the Word. What do you mean by that? This salvation that we have. How did it come about? What is it? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning that He really did come to this earth born of a virgin so that the the tracks, if you will, of sin didn't pass on to Him because there was no man involved in His birth? That He died on the cross for you? If you do, I want you to understand that that understanding, that realization is not something that you could have come up with on your own. Why? Because your nature is enmity against such a God as this. In the fifth verse of the second chapter of Philippians, again, this is on the very next page in my Bible, where Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ. Now, 2 Corinthians in chapter 2, we read these words. Now, this is to the church at Corinth, the second letter. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Now, we're talking about the helmet of salvation that protects the mind. And if we're saved, if we know the Lord, if we love Him, because He first loved us, the Bible says we have His mind. We think like He did. Now, thanks be unto God, and this is 2 Corinthians 2.14, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. You ever feel like a failure? I do. You ever feel like a loser when it comes to doing what you know God wants you to do? I do. But I'm not. You see, it's my way of thinking that gives me these doubts. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet Savior in Christ. We need to realize who we are, don't we? We need to realize who's got us in whose hands we are in. And remember, for we unto God we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. 
To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which would corrupt which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, we are in Christ. In him. We have the mind of Christ. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's an easy question to answer. No one can instruct God. He is the independent, self-sufficient creator of all things. And he created all of it out of nothing because he's God. He's able to do so. All right. Now let's look at Jesus and his life. How he thought. So, well, do we have record of that? Sure we do. Sure we do. As a young man, he learned from his father, didn't he? He did. The craft, the trade of carpentry. I like to think that I'm a little bit of a carpenter. A little bit. But I enjoy it. The Lord learned from his father this craft, and he made items out of wood from trees that he created. Isn't that awesome? We've looked at God's love for trees before. We certainly didn't exhaust it, and we would probably get back into it one day. But the trees that Jesus made, whatever he made, furniture, items, probably made the yokes for oxen. He learned it from his father. His desire was to learn what his father knew and what his father handed down to him. All right. As an adult, his purpose was to please his father, to learn of his father. Oh, they were amazed when he was 12 years old what he knew of the Old Testament. What he understood of the New Testament. Why? Because his time, his time was spent in his desire for knowledge from his Father. It's a good example for us, isn't it? Yes. It is. All right. How did Jesus deal with temptation? Well, we might say he didn't live in the world that we live in. I mean, it's it's a lot worse now. Well, not so sure about that. How, but how did he do it? How did he deal with temptation and not sin? Not even desire to sin. He's impeccable. He was impeccable, right? Yes, he himself taught that to sin, yes, it was wrong, but to desire to sin was wrong too. It's just as if you sin if you do it in your heart, in your mind. All right. How did he deal with temptation? Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. And let me tell you that everything that's recorded here about the life of Jesus Christ is for you to know how to live. 
his life is an example for us. The way he thought, it's an example for the way we need to think, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, Matthew chapter 4 and and verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Does God allow us to be tempted? Yes, He does. He's the sovereign God of all things. There's a purpose in what you go through every day. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterward a hundred. How would you feel? And I don't think any of us have gone 40 days without eating, not that I know of. How would you feel after 40 days of not eating? Would you be at your weakest point in your entire life? Physically? Mentally? I think you would. You'd be desperate for something to eat, wouldn't you? And when the tempter came, verse 3, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, and I believe he definitely knew who he was talking to. He knew he was the Son of God. Even the demons that the Lord put into the to the pigs that ran off the cliff, they recognized him before he even got to where they were. Yeah, he knew. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He was hungrier than you've ever been. Or me. He was that his weakest point, if there was such a thing for him to be at his weakest point physically, he would have been. But he answered, now how did he deal with this temptation? He answered, it is written. He pulled out the sword of the Spirit, didn't he? Absolutely. The Word of God. That's how we deal with temptation. Just like he did. We whip out the sword It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ is that bread. He is that manna from heaven. We must have food physically to survive. But this spiritual person that lives within you, the Spirit of God living within you, you're a new person. All things are new. Behold, all the rest of it's old and gone, passed away. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is what you feast on now, spiritually. That's how we stay strong. That's how we have the mind of God, by seeking Him and learning of Him the way Jesus did of Joseph. He learned how to be, didn't he? He learned how to create out of wood, even though he was God, the creator that created the tree. But he was still a boy. He was still a human child. And he learned from his father. Man shall not live by bread alone, but but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil take them up into the holy city and sit him on a pinnacle of the temple, way up, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, again, he was tempting him. He knew he was the Son of God. Then cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. Does Satan know the Scripture too? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again. Here comes the sword. He's going to slice Satan down, isn't he? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, verse 8, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. Or get thee behind me, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, then the angels came and ministered unto him. We deal with the enemy and with temptation the same way the Lord did. See, the Lord wasn't just dealing with the temptation when he pulled out the sword of the Spirit. No, he was dealing with the enemy that brought and brings the temptation. The Word of God didn't keep Jesus from sinning because Jesus couldn't sin. Oh, but it put the tempter in his place, didn't it? Even he... Even his knees shall bow and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, the helmet of salvation. Psalm 1 comes to mind. Let's take a look at Psalm 1. Very beginning of Psalm. Psalm 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Where do you get your advice from? Who counsels you on how to live? Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Where is our delight? It should be in the sword of the Spirit, shouldn't it? Yes, we should be able to quickly apply the Word of God to our lives in the moment of temptation. If we do that, verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's interesting. The psalmist here says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Who is represented by the tree of life that grew by the rivers of waters in the Garden of Eden? Who's represented by the tree of life that's in the midst of the river that flows from the throne of God? You see, that's who we're growing toward. That's who we are being conformed to be more and more like the tree of life, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Oh, I hope you trust in Him this morning. James chapter 4. And we'll close right there. James chapter 4. I think it's what, right... After Hebrews, before Peter, James chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Question. Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. 
you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity against God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Oh, Christ Jesus was a great example of being humble, wasn't he? In verse 7 it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And praise God. He lifts us up. He is at the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for us. Why? Because as we just read, we don't even know how we should pray. Oh, but the Holy Spirit knows us. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. There's that connection. God does hear our prayers. He is listening as we cry out to Him. And He shall, by the promise of He who cannot lie, Lift us up. He's a great Savior, isn't He? Oh, may we trust in Him with all that we are. And may we think like Him.